Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Thanks for hanging out with us here on your Tuesday. Coulter Nuana's coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana. You can find them at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in the Garden City, or you can visit online. Check out the most extensive inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest by visiting nwmsrocks.com. Right after the show, switch it up a notch. 103.3, just saw Tommy Evans walk by, so that means he's curating and preparing tonight's new show for you. 6 p.m., 6 to 7, dropping new tracks. That's a rarity in uh, in the modern world these days, but Tommy's still rolling, still doing it, still debuting music on the trail, 103.3 Montana's Modern Rock. So go check out uh, Quality Rock, excuse me. Uh, go check out the trail uh, and the new show right after today's new one is now. Major League Baseball All-Star break upon us. Uh, I was driving around a little bit last night, driving out to the Kettle House Amphitheater, so I got to listen to the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby last night and it seemed like it was a uh, a fun one I have a question though to to, to talk about this uh, a phenomenon that sort of has a parallel in the NBA there's certainly like a gimmicky showman like uh, connotation to the all-star game festivities like the home run derby and the dunk contest for the NBA but those also always seem to be such a draw because if you like were the winners of those sort of uh, sideshows, it, it, it came with a bit of, of uh, I don't know, like a cult following almost. Or you, you got some street cred. Street cred is what I was yeah, going to say, yeah. yeah. And now it seems like the guy, the some of the guys that you think would be so fun to watch don't do it. And I don't know. I kind of get why the baseball because – it's just like playing in a golf scramble. Like, when you just go out there and swing for the fences all the time, there's not that many consequences to when you don't hit a bomb. It can screw up your swing coming out of it. It's like, I kind of, kind of get that. 
Like, how have we never seen, like, Russell Westbrook in a dunk contest? Like, how's LeBron James not been in a dunk contest? Well, LeBron's been doing, like, the will he, won't he. It's always a story, like, is this the year that LeBron does it? Well, I think I he enjoys I mean, that. LeBron would still be fun to watch the dunk contest, but dude's, like, 38 now. Why can't I get 25-year-old LeBron when he's got go-go gadget boosties in his legs? I mean, imagine the dunks LeBron could have thrown down, like, those early 2010s when he first got into Miami. And, you know, I mean... I don't. I really don't know if there's ever been an athlete like that before. It would have been ridiculous. Or prime Russell Westbrook. Like, give me Russell Westbrook when he's 23. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. I don't actually think it applied that much to the home run derby last night. I thought it was a great field. Yeah. Okay. So so, uh, I can't remember who they were interviewing uh, on the uh, on the sideline during it, but they were. Th- this person was saying that they would consider doing the home run derby, and uh, so I. That's all to say, though. Uh, it seemed like it was a fun one and, and a good field. Uh, tell us about this Rodriguez kid, though, because this kid's kind of taking the world by storm. Well, this is a kid we heard a little bit about from Sean Rainey when he was doing his MLB division previews uh, before the season. If I'm not mistaken, he actually pointed to, to Julio Rodriguez as one of the three most interesting players in that AL West division because uh, this is a kid who's been... I mean, you know the circle of hype for a baseball prospect is a lot different than for, like, a top NFL or NBA draft pick because you have years to hear about these kids, right? It's more of a slow build. So he's a kid that's been percolating in the minors for a couple years. Um, Dominicans is thought to be a a really good hitter, big guy, great uh, great sense for hitting, uh, and then he came to the to the majors this year and and struggled a little bit hitting out of the gate. But the thing that wasn't expected at all is that he's a lot better athlete than his scouting report said in the minors. He was supposed to be, you know, a, a pretty typical right fielder, big power guy, hitting thirty or forty homers, playing good defense, good arm, but not a great defender, not stealing a lot of bases. Well, it turns out. He's now picking up his hitting stroke. He's been one of the hottest hitters in the majors after the first two months, and he's playing a great center field, and he's one of the fastest players in the league. So he's just the total package, and I think he had a little bit of a coming-out party last night, not only with the Mariners are getting some hype, he's the best and most exciting player on that team, and he hit you know 60-some home runs in the home run derby last night. In fact, I think he actually hit 60 in the first two rounds because he went over 30 in each of the first two rounds. <laughs> what a show, man. Crazy. This also is highlighted by the fact that, and by the way, Julio Rodriguez did not win. Juan Soto of the Nationals won, but that was the finals, and uh, Soto had 19 bombs, Rodriguez had 18 bombs. So uh, very cool, very fun to watch. It was also sort of cool, though, to see um, Albert Pujols. Because Juan Soto's you know, what, 23, and Julio Rodriguez is 21. I mean, he is one of the youngest players and one of the youngest stars in baseball. And so, I mean, Albert Pujols is exactly twice as old as Julio Rodriguez. Pujols is 42. So... That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think I saw a stat when Pujols made a major league debut. Julio Rodriguez was 95 days old. <laughs> That's just phenomenal, man. That's so great. And uh, you know, it's just so crazy that Pujols is is still hanging on. I mean, what uh, what a career he's had. It's it's almost as if it's so funny because it's, it's he he keeps hanging on. At, with at the same time not being anywhere close to the player he once was, but also not having this tremendously embarrassing fall off. So he's kind of a non-story. And so people aren't doing the whole, 
how great is Albert Pujols? Like, this is his final year. He's going to retire. He just keeps going. So we haven't really seen him get praised or or really criticized. He just kind of keeps on putting a couple more numbers to his to his already ridiculous stats. Yeah, and that's another uh, sort of storyline that I think is a little bit unique to baseball because it's happening not only with him but with Miguel Cabrera this year up in Detroit. Right. And, and they're both sort of commissioner's picks onto the all-star teams. Even though Cabrera's hitting up around 300, he's not having a terrible year. But he, he kind of is, but that's the thing with baseball, right? In basketball or football, it's very obvious to see these guys lose a step. Well, in baseball, what makes Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, they've lost a lot of bat speed, but what makes them so much worse than they were when they were younger is that they're now the two slowest players in the league and they can't play defense at all. But it doesn't matter. You can still DH, and you know Pujols can't really hit righties anymore. Miguel Cabrera doesn't have any power anymore, but you can still DH and you can still have these, you know, hit a couple dingers, keep a decent average. Uh, and, and sort of your flaws as you're getting older are, are hidden a little bit more. As recently as 2019, Albert Pujols had 23 home runs and drove in 93 runs. That was at the ripe old age of 40. Uh, he is now coming up on 43. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, he's when holistically, he he was still one of the worst players in the league that year. Right. No defensive value, no base running value. Uh, well, right, and, and he's he's hitting 200. He's right. just he just can still you know. When you hang one or you don't hit your spot, he can still get around and hit it out of the park. Exactly. It's unbelievable, though. I mean, his numbers stand stand up with many of the greatest players of all time already. But I also think his numbers are going to stand alone as like this last great relic. Because one thing I find phenom- one phenomenon I find so interesting with baseball is even though there's such a high priority on extra base hits and or home runs and get, getting your, your scoring in bunches, the RBI totals are significantly down for single-season RBIs. It used to be that 100 was a good year, 130 was a great year, 150, you're talking about rare air. Now, though, like 85 is really good and 100 is really, really good, and... We, I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen. It's been several years, if not a lot of years, that we've seen like 125 to 130 RBI type guy, and that's where Pujols is going to stand so far out from so many of the people that you're comparing as his contemporaries down the road because he's got 2170 RBI. I mean, the guy drove in 120 plus runs for basically two decades straight. I, that's where his numbers really separate themselves. That that and the consistent 300 averages. And that's the one part about him hanging on that kind of sucks is he's going to dwindle down. He had a chance to be probably one of the highest batting averages of a, a 600 home run player. <laughs> you know, not very many competi- not much competition because there's only a couple of them. But I, I do think that when he retires, a couple things, a couple stats on his final baseball reference are really going to pop. Yeah, both both him and Cabrera. Cabrera is actually going to probably keep his career three hundred average if he you know if he cuts it short this year or next year. You know if he keeps hanging on and hanging on, he might fall below. But Cabrera is going to be one of just a few guys with a three hundred average and five hundred home runs. Are these the two guys that are in, are? I guess is there anybody else in the conversation as the like the the superhero like power hitter of their generation in the post steroid era? It's Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols and who? I mean, it's kind of those two guys, right, of this post-Mitchell report baseball. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think the final numbers are sort of going to make that case really well for them. And, you know, Cabrera and, and Pujols are sort of birds of a feather when you're talking about coming out of the steroid era and we were all inundated with, with huge power numbers, right? Right. Cabrera and Pujols have that. They're also two of the most complete hitters, I think, that the games have ever seen. I That's mean, right. you, you hear stories about just these guys' savant-like dedication and, right. and feel for hitting, and it's sort of also being proven out by the fact that Miguel Cabrera is hitting like 285 when he's 40 years old this year. It's Miguel Cabrera is hitting 287. He's got 16 home runs. Or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong column here, but he is. He's hitting 287 this year, and uh, he's definitely having a good year for sure. Uh, that's the only thing that stands out when you look at these guys' statistics, like you mentioned, is how complete of hitters that they are. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, over 3,000 hits, over 600 doubles, and over 500 home runs, hitting 310 for his career. And Albert Pujols has um, 3,333 hits. Oh, wow, nice. And uh, 685 home runs, 2,170 RBI. I mean, you are talking... Uh, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and who has those numbers? I mean, Willie Mays, maybe. Uh, Albert Poole's numbers are 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 there with anybody, and Miguel Cabrera's uh, aren't far behind. So uh, fun that those guys have been able to stick around as long as they can. It is fun to sort of put it into context as the flag bearers, so to speak, of the uh, the post steroid era and uh, class acts as well. I mean, f- fun guys to follow along with. And they have been for for 20-plus years. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, Let's talk some more NFL. We did some division-by-division last Wednesday before we took Thursday and Friday off to uh, appease my my golf addiction. I must say the the golf addiction has eased up a little bit. Now, I played in the the big money tournament. I did better than we have in the past. Still didn't win it. But uh, don't feel like a failure. Feel okay about myself. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll still have a plenty of fun golf stories for you. I got a couple fun ones landed on the calendar today. And uh, my golf magazine story is coming up um, shortly as well. So I'll share some of those details with you when it happens. Uh, to put a bow on the baseball, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game tonight uh, at 6 p.m. right here on ABC Fox Montana. The National League, uh, a slight favorite in this game, which is, it's funny that they put betting odds on the All-Star game. And it's also funny that my, I I said, I started saying that as a slight favorite with the, the, looking at the money line before I even realized what I was saying. That's how fast they've inundated us with sports gambling. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bet on who's going to win the All-Star game, please. Like, just don't do it. Don't do it. That's degenerate behavior. (laughs) Like if you if you got your favorite player in there and you want to bet on him hit, hitting a home run or something, pro, pro, yeah, go ahead right. and do that. Do yeah. not bet on who's going to win the game. Pro, prop bet on Aaron Judge with the first RBI or something. That's that's fine. It's a good bet. That's fun. Uh, yeah, betting on who wins the game uh, is uh, is definitely a funny one. One thing that we talked about leading up to it, uh, and uh, we had some fun guests on to preview it, but we haven't really recapped it since is the NBA draft. And uh, Paulo Boncaro went number one overall, as I thought he should, but thought he wouldn't. My opinion was they should have gone first, and also my prediction was that he wouldn't go first out of Duke, but he did. Uh, And then the other intriguing player was Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, 
And Big Chet, um, he was uh, the number three overall pick and has had great returns in the summer league. So maybe we'll talk some NBA draft a little later on. That'd be fun to talk about with Rajim Seabrook as well. He'll be in on Thursday. Also, we'll have the return of Around the Big Sky in women's hoops on Thursday. Krista Redpath will join us. She uh, has helped us launch a new series, a Where Are They Now? Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops. And this week's guest, one of my favorites, my favorite Lady Grizz, uh, my, my, I shouldn't say my favorite, the player I think is the best Lady Grizz that I've ever covered. I, I was not living in Montana when Shannon Schwain, when Shannon Kate, as it were, uh, was dominating the Big Sky Conference and leading the Lady Grizz to uh, NCAA tournament success. But in my time covering Lady Grizz basketball, Manny Morales is the, the best player I've covered and, and certainly one of my favorites to watch. And she will be our guest here on Thursday. So very much looking forward to catching up with Mandy. She's a classmate of mine. We obviously didn't go to the same high school, but she's the same high school class as I am. So it'll be fun to catch up with her. She's doing a great job there as the girls basketball coach in Huntley Project right out of her home, right outside of her hometown of Billings. Uh, so look forward to that to kick off Thursday's show. And also we'll talk some NBA draft stuff with uh, Rajim Seabrook and our guy, Andrew Houghton. Let's talk some NFL, and I'll probably spend some time talking NFL uh, for the rest of today's show. But we went through the divisions on Wednesday, and we gave you thoughts on most of the uh, AFC, and we didn't really have time to get in much of the NFC. So I want to start with the division that I probably have the the most um, most tough time analyzing because it's the only real division that I just don't have any sort of affinity for any of the teams in it. I find it a hard division to watch. I find glee in the division having so many big market and big name teams and being so bad lately. But I also know that there's an unbelievable amount of you out there listening that follow one, if not all the teams in the NFC East. When you grow up in Montana you get what you're served. It, there's an ability to watch more games now, but it was the national games all the time. I can't tell you how many freaking times I've watched the Cowboys, man. I can't tell you how much I've watched the Giants and the Eagles and the Redskins now watch the Commanders. I mean, they are the huge market teams. I think there's a ton of Cowboys fans in Missoula. I know, Actually, I know there is. I think there's a fair amount of Eagles fans uh, in Missoula as well. And I know there's Giants fans everywhere in the country. I mean, they are one of the premier franchises in the in the uh, National Football League, or at least they they were. They're trying to reestablish that. And of course, our boy Regime Seabrook is a big uh, Giants fan. But our guy Andrew behind the glass, he's a big Eagles guy, and uh, I actually think that the Eagles are the team that it's most easy for me to pallet in this division. And if you were to you know force me to give you my favorite team in the division, I think it's got it's probably Philly. And, you know, obviously there's been some warming up to that, too, with our allegiance with Coach Marty, Marty Mornaway, who spent 11 years in Philadelphia between a couple different stops. Uh, but last year, Andrew, I thought that Philly's year was a really weird one because it seemed like they had some some expectation. And sometimes it seemed like they could have been one of sort of the, the breakout teams in the league. Other times it seemed like they were rather disappointing. And they finished above 500. They finished at 9-8. and eight. They got into the playoffs, and they kind of no-showed in the playoffs. 
Where are you at with what the Eagles did last year? Was it a was it a uh, a success or a failure, or what was it to you? Uh, last year, I, I really enjoyed that Eagles season. Actually, I, I it was one of my favorite Eagles seasons in recent memory. I mean, obviously, I mean, new coach, right? Nick Sirianni's first year. Yep. He's a young coach who nobody really knew anything about. And Jalen Hurts' first year as well at quarterback. A a, a guy who was very polarizing in people's opinions about him. Um, A guy that sort of defines and personifies what the new age quarterback narrative is. Oh, a guy who we could talk about the narratives around him for hours. For sure. And, you know, I mean, he fits all of the molds. Highly recruited guy out of high school. Goes to one of the the blue sh- the, the 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 blue chip flagship programs of college football in Alabama, gets gets his t- spot taken away, transfers. That's another thing that just defines this era. Goes to Oklahoma, finalist for the Heisman. Can he project? Can he be an NFL guy? Some people say hell yeah. Some people say hell no. Our guy, Coach Marty, said hell yeah. They take him in the third round in Philly. Then all of a sudden he's thrust into the starting role. People are thinking doomsday, doomsday. Then he looks pretty good. Sometimes he looks bad, but he's a gamer. I mean, he he. I like Jalen Hurts, and uh, I think if you have him, if you're patient with him and invest in him and give him the things he needs to be better, I think that he has. He, he's got the number one factor to me in what you want in an NFL quarterback. He's got the the competitiveness. He wants to do it. He wants. He's not scared. He's not back there shaking in his boots. He just sort of is too quick. Operates too quickly sometimes. But I like him, and I think that there's a. I think there should be optimism in Philadelphia about him. I like Jalen Hurts too, and I think a lot of what will determine uh, their success in 2022 is what he showed sort of down the stretch of last season, how much of that comes back and how much can he build off of it? Because I I had no expectations for him going into last year. And before the end of October, I mean, the Eagles were two and five with, with him starting a quarterback lost to Tampa Bay, lost to uh, the Raiders didn't look uh, in, in, in the playoff picture at all. Came back and won, you know, four of their last five with three of those wins coming against division opponents. And he was, he was good in those games. He wasn't making mistakes. He was managing the game, which I know is like a, a, a really fraught, loaded phrase. But he was doing enough to win. Um, and he had some moments in in the playoff game against Tampa Bay as well. I mean, they they were out of that game basically from the beginning, but he, he didn't quit. He ended up throwing for, you know, I think 250 yards in that game as they tried to come back. He's an interesting, interesting player, and I, I really want to see also you know what the offense looks like around him because they ran a lot of college concepts yep with with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts there and i think and they have good personnel they have good personnel around him Dallas Goddard uh they got AJ Brown now I mean, I wide think receiver that, i think AJ Brown is a sneaky good dis, uh, addition for this team cuz Devontae Smith was another guy that had a lot of haters coming out of of college cuz he's not very big but like my whole point was who cares if no one could get a hand on him? I mean, the dude is just slippery as a snake and just so good running routes. But I also thought that if he could get a big-bodied physical receiver to play next to him, that would help him so much. I think A.J. Brown is one of the best off-season additions in the NFL because I think A.J. Brown is sweet, and I also think he makes Devontae Smith even sweeter. 
Yeah, it better not be a sneaky good addition. It better just be a straight well, up good sure, addition because sure, he gave up sure. the first round pick for him and signed him to the huge contract. <laughs> for sure. But I think he, I think he will be. I mean, I th- well, and and also, I mean, you hearken back to guys like I mean, David Boston is the first guy to come to mind. But the the dude who is so physically imposing, that dude when he's a flash in the pan and he starts getting killed by the media and then he cr- folds is it's so hard. To watch that and in Philadelphia, that will absolutely happen. AJ Brown's just got to play exactly what he looks like. If he does, though, you're right. He, you need to consider it as not a sneaky good addition. You need it to be a home run because I mean he's one of the biggest wide receiver free agent signings in the league this year. That's right, but no, I mean they've got everything set up to succeed this year. Like I said, a little bit no expectations last year, and this year we're going into it. And as I keep hearing say people saying, like you did, that they might be the team in that division. Yeah. You start to feel uh, the pressure building up a little bit. Nuance Down, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. One more question on the Eagles, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back talk more NFC, especially the NFC East here uh, on Nuanas Now. Uh, what do you think of the defense, particularly with the additions that they were able to make? Uh, crazy how much talent you can get in the draft this year, and also crazy when a team like the Eagles, who was a playoff team a year ago, can get – Perhaps the the breakout star of the NFL Combine and Jordan Davis, who I think absolutely will factor in as at least a rotational player on their defensive front. And then the guy who was the captain of that Georgia defense alongside Jordan Davis in the Kobe Dean, and he fell all the way to the third round. I know he's got health concerns, but a lot of people thought he was the best player on what was, in my opinion, the most NFL-ready defensive unit I've ever seen in college football uh, those two guys seem like they could fit in, and then they also have some stalwarts back. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of recognizable names defensively, whether it's Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham up front or Darius Slay in the secondary. I mean, they, they have talent there, but it seems like they added some new young guys too. What do you think of the defense? Well, I love the N'Kobe Dean pick. I, actually, I like the Jordan Davis pick too, actually. I, I wanted them to go Kyle Hamilton there because uh, he, sure. he was still on the board. Um but I, I like the Jordan Davis pick. I, I love the Nicobe Dean pick. I think it'll really depend on um, the health of that aging defensive line because you look at the defensive line on paper, like you said, Fletcher Cox, they've still got Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave still in the middle. Those guys are good, but Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham particularly are getting old. I mean, you For need sure. to get... You don't need well, and, and you don't that, need sixteen games out of those guys, especially if Jordan Davis is as good as I think he's going to be. For sure, but you need you need twelve games of, of good uh, production out of those guys. Well, and, and guys, un- unfortunately, the unfortunate truth is guys like Fletcher Cox fall off hard when they fall off. When they go, they go. I'm not saying he's good, that's coming, but you know, I mean, Big Tree falls hard. That, that dude is one of the biggest monsters on the interior defensive line that exists in the NFL. Last point on Jordan Davis before we got to get out. I just thought it was funny that the main criticism of him was that he only played limited snaps in college because they would only, I mean, they would just go three and out every game. So their defense would only be on the field for 50 plays. He'd only play like 30. I think his his high snap count last year at Georgia was in the high 30s. It's such a funny criticism, though. Because he's not going to have to play much more than that in the NFL. I mean, what the guys got, I know it's a little, it's a harder snap than you're playing in the SEC, to be sure. But going from 37 to 45 plays is not like this crazy thing. I thought it was a funny criticism. It's not like you have to figure out how to go play 90 plays. That's never happening in the NFL. 
No, that's right. And the other part of it is what? You're criticizing him for Georgia's defense being too good? <laughs> like, right. because they have other guys who can rotate in with him and because they're not facing any, you know, right. they're not giving up any 10-play drives? Well, like, like, Alabama had the drive in the national, or the it was in the playoffs or the national championship. I can't remember, but uh, where the, it was like 11-12-play drive, and a couple of those Georgia guys had to come off the field, and the announcers were just flabbergasted. Yeah. Was, Georgia's defense is gassed. These guys never come off the field. They're coming off the field for the first time. It's like, well... It's because they haven't had to play 12 plays ever. They get, they go three and out or six and out, and that's about it. Nuance Now, ESPN Radio, more NFC East talk, more NFC all the way around talk. God, I love the hardest summer. Keep it right here, Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, a ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I always find it fascinating to think about how bands came up with their names. Sometimes the origin stories are uh, well-known, sometimes less so. Sometimes bands' names fit them so well. Like Rage Against the Machine is such a well-named band. Metallica, great name. Other bands, like, you're sort of confused. Like, right, that was Toad the Wet Sprocket. How'd they come up with that? Like, <laughs> Big Head Todd and the Monsters, that makes sense. Guy's got a big head. <laughs> How'd they come up with Toad the Wet Sprocket? Why would you call yourself the Goo Goo Dolls? This is so funny. Uh, but then it like sticks and then it becomes like your persona. I read this great article after the Goo Goo Dolls concert last night with quotes from Johnny Resnick, the lead singer. And he's like, I remember when we first had uh, a gig and we didn't have a, a good name and they had had some sort of joke about a doll. So they called themselves the Goo Goo Dolls as a joke. There happened to be a talent scout there. They tore it up at this gig at just, you know, like a local bar or something. They ended up getting a little bit of a lead-in that led to a record contract, and the name somehow stuck. And he was talking about how he had just made it like in a in a sort of you know a couple beers deep right before he'd go on stage, and, and he sort of was like, "We probably could have come up with a better name than that, but then it stuck, so it became our name, and now it's just been our name, and we've been touring for 35 years." And you know, it, interesting, but it was a fun night out there checking out the Goo Goo Dolls, and I just always wonder how do bands find their names. What's a funny name band that you always wondered about? Text us, or if you have NFL stuff to talk about too, text us, 406-888-1029. Nuana is now coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport boasts the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can find them 
online by visiting nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Talking NFL, specifically NFC, and specifically NFC East with our main guy, Andrew Houghton. He's on the other side of the glass helping produce the show and contribute to the conversation here. He's a D.C. guy, but he's an Eagles fan. So, Andrew, two-part question. First, with the Eagles, do you believe that they're the favorites in this division? I actually I don't. I think okay, so I think who, gun to my head I would take Dallas. I think you have to. Yeah. Um <laughs> the, the Cowboys are so funny because I've said this on the show a couple times recently how the Cowboys seem to always fail to meet expectations and that's because their expectations from their fan base better or worse is championship or bust and that's such a very Texas thing that is Similar, it's a similar disease that ails the Texas Longhorns and the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, the Texans have been so bad lately that it's been hard for them to even say. I mean, this has been an abject embarrassment in, in Houston with all of the fallout from, you know, J.J. Watt not retiring with the franchise, Bill O'Brien, and the disaster that that became, the Deshaun Watson chronicles that have certainly been a black eye on everything about the Texans. But regardless, it is funny that the – in my head, before I looked at the standings, I thought to myself, yeah, the Cowboys got a lot of hype, but the Cowboys will fail just like they did last year. And it's funny to remember that the Cowboys – They didn't. They went 12-5 and five last year. Yeah, they did not lose a game to a division team. Twelve and five, they were. They had you know six game winning streak, four game winning streak. It just looks terrible because they lost to the 49ers in the in the wild card game. I, I will say too, because the Cowboys are so exposed and, uh, in my opinion, sometimes even oversaturated. I think that's where a lot of the the Cowboy fatigue comes from. Despite all of that fatigue, though, I do think that Dak Prescott was one of the best stories in the NFL last year. For, you know, coming off of a, I mean, what could have been a career-altering or even career-ending injury and to have a, a Pro Bowl year like that. Also, after experiencing profound personal tragedy with uh, his brother taking his own life, it, it was a great story uh, a year ago. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can live up to that. No more Amari Cooper. Uh, that certainly will be a hit. Um, but they're still strong along the offensive line. They still have some premier players defensively. Um, I mean, I think so much of the key for them is do a couple of the young players that they're super invested in defensively continue to to toe the line. Jalen Smith's one of the great examples of how fast a star can burn out. The, the league's on fire right now about the hype around Micah Parsons. He was this guy that wasn't that productive at Penn State, but a freak athlete. He rips the top off the NFL combine. He's a top, you know, I think he's 11th overall pick. He's a top 15 pick for the Cowboys. And he comes in and does nothing but tear it up again and was one of the best rookies in the league period last year. But we saw Jalen Smith be that guy a couple years ago, and then he's not even... I mean, is he even in the league right now? Is he even on a team? No, I think the injuries got him and uh, just all saying. the way out. Yeah, for sure. If so they need Parsons. They need Leighton Van Der Esch, They need Tr- Trevon Diggs. They need some of their young guys to keep on hitting uh, to, to fulfill those expectations. But, I mean, on paper, 
I don't know where are we at. Are we over under the Cowboys being back to where they were a year ago? I mean, they are probably the division favorite. Are they a 12-win team again? Tough to say. I think I'm really excited for year two of Micah Parsons, for one thing. He was not only the defensive rookie of the year, but one of the best defensive players in the league last year. It seems crazy to think that he could take another step on top of that. But a lot of guys usually do take big jumps going into year two. I still have a lot of questions about the defense. I don't think that the secondary is all that good for Dallas. I think Trayvon Diggs is is not going to have the year that he had last year. And the year that he had last year was already sort of a... Can we talk about that for just one second? Yeah, what's your take? This is particularly true in the NFL. But I think... uh, I think that it's true across a lot of levels of football. Oftentimes, and I'm not saying exclusively, but oftentimes, the guy who has the most picks, the guy who has the most interceptions, is not the best corner. He's the guy that's in the right place at the right time a lot. He's a playmaker to be sure, and you can't discount how impactful a takeaway can be, especially, I mean, what Trayvon Diggs have last year, 10 picks, 9 or 10 picks? Yeah. Um, Justin Ford. Had, you know, had nine picks last year, too. But I've said this on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast on SkylineSportsMT.com. Actually, 11 picks for 11 Trayvon picks. Diggs, which is it's ama- insane. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But guess who didn't ever have 11 picks in a season? Ne- guess who never even had half that many picks in a season? Deion Sanders. Darrell Revis. All- <laughs> yeah. Darrell Revis, exactly. Uh, I mean, Champ Bailey, Daryl Green. Those guys probably had career highs of four picks. Charles Woodson, maybe when he was playing safety, had a few more. The best corners in the league don't have a bunch of picks because they don't have a bunch of targets, right? I thought I said this about the Grizz last year. Justin Ford, really, really good, for sure. I thought one of the most underappreciated players on the Grizz defense last year was Corbin Walker. He shared some snaps, but there's a reason Corbin Walker had no statistics last year. His dude didn't get the ball. That's right. <laughs> he had 14 tackles. Guess why? They don't throw it that way. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I do think that repeating that sort of production, you're right, it's not going to happen, but I also don't think it's... I'm not going to say it's not necessary because replacing that number of picks is replacing that number of possessions for sure, but I also don't think you can definitively say, oh, that guy's like a unbelievable... Trevon Diggs is good. I don't think he's there in the the Jalen Ramsey category of best corners in the league. He's he's an up-and-comer for sure, but picks don't mean... The best, is it what I'm saying? No, immensely valuable season last year. Here's a spoiler alert for, for Montana fans, too. He's not going to do it again. Justin just, Ford's no, not no. going to do it again. Well, that's the other thing is, just like with Trayvon Diggs, teams aren't going to throw that way as much anymore either. They're not going to throw that way, but also I think the the other thing with Trayvon Diggs is that he got beat a lot. Right. And there was that stat going around that he gave up. You know, he had the most picks in the league. He also gave up the most yards in the league. That was going around social media. I mean, he he reminded me a lot of Asante Samuel. Uh, speaking of, of former Philadelphia Eagles guys, who's a guy who's trying to jump routes. He's trying to create takeaways. And that, that works out. I mean, there's no play in the game more valuable than an interception or a lot of times where, like, Asante Samuel's jumping a curl route, a pick six. Nothing's going to change the momentum that much. But you could also beat him because he's jumping on double moves. He's jumping on, you know, slant and goes. Uh, and I think there was a lot of that as well with Trayvon Diggs last year. 
New Orleans Daily, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We've gotten through a grand total of two NFC East teams. You can tell it's my least favorite division, can't you? We're going to keep on going on the NFC East and the NFC as a whole, and we're going to keep on talking NFL probably, I don't know, every day until the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't we? More NFL, more NFC talk here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's also so funny. We've been talking music throughout the show, as we always do here on Nuanas Now. It's also so interesting, though, when you're exposed to certain music when you're younger, when you're, you know, uh, preteen or teen, and you like the tune, you know the lyrics, but you actually don't know what the lyrics are about. That Third Eye Blind song, it's semi charm kind of life. I mean, I don't want to scare the children, but it's it's not a savory message. It's about illicit drug use for sure. And that was what was so funny about the Google, not funny, but uh, interesting about the Google dolls last night too. Johnny Resnick told some songs, their lead singer told some stories, excuse me, about their songs, what they were about right before he started playing sympathy, which is one of their, their big hits from the early two thousands. He said, I wrote this song when I realized the drugs didn't work anymore. And then he starts playing it, and you think it's just like this kind of poppy love song, you know, about a forlorn lover. Nah, not so much. <laughs> so it's always fun to, to learn the backstories behind the creativity. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Nuanas Now. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Uh, fun stuff coming up the rest of the week. It's also been a fun show today. Uh, we talked all the way around the wide world of sports, talked some Big Sky Conference hoops, and schedulings. We also um, talk some NFL, talk some Major League Baseball, All-Star Break tonight, talk some Home Run Derby. It's been a fun show. You can always find everything from each show on the Nuanas Now podcast, available on all of your podcast hosting platforms, as well as on the ESPN Montana app. Please download the app, share it, tell people about it. Great way to follow the show live or archived. Nuanas Now podcast presented by the M Store. New location down there in uh, downtown Missoula, so go check them out. The Montana State Bookstore, doing their best to keep textbooks affordable for Montana State students. The Advocates reminding you that you deserve an advocate. Visit uh, montanaadvocates.com 24-7 anytime. As well as by Sportsbet Montana. As Andrew said, don't bet on the money line on the All-Star game. Just make a prop bet about somebody hitting a home run or something if you feel so uh, obsessed with uh, gambling on it. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're your own person. You do whatever you want. Uh, just a you know, word of advice. Thanks to all those great sponsors for bringing you uh, the Nuanas Now podcast. Tomorrow, fun show. Great uh, guest lineup for you. We're going to hear from Jacob Anderson. He's a Billings West senior-to-be. He is committed to Oregon State. Best offensive line prospect in the state of Montana. So we'll talk about his decision to go to the Pac-12. We're also going to be joined by Marty and Sky Morninweg. Marty, the uh, insider, NFL insider for us here on uh, Nuanas Now during football season, the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, as well as his son, Sky, who's an offensive coordinator uh, now at Columbia. And they just hosted a great quarterback camp uh, for some of the best gunslingers here in uh, the state of Montana. And we'll also hear from one of the guys that attended that camp. Pat Duchesne, senior to be at Florence High School, one of the top prospects in the state, and a defending state champion. So that'll be fun uh, to roll through 
uh, your Wednesday tomorrow. We don't have much time left to talk about um, the NFL, so we'll do that later on in the week as well. I was I was saying that I thought that Duncan Hamilton, from his uh, unbelievable collegiate All-Americans as a cross-country runner, an indoor track star, and an outdoor track star, and then a participant in the United States Track and Field Championships. And then recently, this over the weekend, setting the record once again in the Montana Mile. It's one of the great uh, individual calendar years in distance running in the history of the state. Um, So, fun to follow along on. But our guy, Andrew Houghton, he has been doing some research on Shannon Butler, who's sort of the the last, how do you say, hero of running at Montana State that, that Duncan Hamilton still has a couple records left to break. So maybe we'll share some of those stories later on as well because um, – later on this week as well because um, Shannon Butler, quite, quite the dynamic character, certainly not um, – Certainly not of this generation. Certainly a throwback and uh, some pretty funny stories that we were able to find when we were re- doing some some research for uh, some Skyline Sports stuff that's coming up. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening. Don't get too hot and uh, see you soon. This has been Nuanas Now. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.